How's it going folks? This guy's name is Tom Derry and he is the co-owner and co-founder of Rising Tide Car Wash. I worked at Rising Tide Car Wash when I was in college for a semester and got close with my boss who is an extremely um, passionate person about specific things which helped them build the business. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. How's it going, everybody? This is Joe, the founder of the Renaissance Man Network and the Renaissance Man Podcast. I'm the host of that. I wanted to share with you the intentions for this podcast and lead you into the content so that you know exactly what to expect and what to focus on. I want to help people live like a Renaissance man. Now, and nowadays, people either tend to be uh, a little bit okay at everything without direction, or they tend to be super focused on one particular career. But the art of being a renaissance man, free to do whatever he likes, but dedicating his life to the mastery of several things, and understanding that self-development has an infinite ceiling. That art has been lost, and so I want to help get that back into the world where people can become great mathematicians, become great uh, athletes, become great... Um, um, craftsmen, become great travelers, become great writers, become great at many things that inspire and make you feel uh, uh, like a capable and well-rounded man. Um, Self-actualize. There are values that I hold dear to my heart and that I hold dear to being the, the ideal of being a renaissance man, which is living with a sense of passion and curiosity and a hunger for growth, experiences, and knowledge. So I interview people that do these things. I interview people that are, in, that are good at something where I can share the things they're good at. I also talk about these values on discussion episodes. So please go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. Or if you would like to hear the content to see if you want to subscribe, I totally understand. And you can listen to it and then decide afterwards. It's your choice. Um, And that is one of the easiest ways to support the podcast. Without further ado, here is today's episode. Hey, Tom. You got some time now? Yeah. Perfect. Um, Can you hear me all right right now? My my microphone is not working so well on my phone. I can hear you fine. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, Just letting you know I'm recording this. Yep. Awesome. All right. Um, So we spoke a little bit over um, text about uh, the project I'm doing, Project Unchained. And um, I'm looking to interview because, well, you've inspired me. You've also been a bit of a mentor to me over the years. Um, and uh, you have some inspiring messages I think people would like to hear. Cool. Yeah, man, I'm happy to answer any questions. So so can you just kind of give me a, a little better idea of the format and um, what your plan is? Sure thing. Um, I'm going to be asking about your experiences, about 
rising tide about uh, your own personal philosophies and, and habits. And uh, then I'll be uh, writing it up and sharing it with my readers. One of the things... Okay. Yeah, so it'll just be casual, but I have a, I do have a line of questioning. Okay, cool. So I'm curious, um, what prompted you to start Rising Tide? And for the readers, what is Rising Tide? Because they don't know that yet. Yeah. Um, so Rising Tide is a social enterprise that's dedicated to empowering individuals with autism through employment. Um, so we started it because my brother, Andrew, is on the autism spectrum. Um, and we wanted to try to build a business that not only he could work in, but also build a community around um, like-minded individuals like Andrew. Mm -hmm. um, you so say we. Start, what do you mean by we? So my family, my, my father and I specifically. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, and what kind of business is it? What do what do um, people like you, like me, when I work there, and like the people that you hire, what do they do? Yeah, so um, essentially we're a flex service car wash, meaning that we offer both high quality exterior car washes and interior cleaning services as well. So, um, you know, the types of roles that we have here are um, aftercare associates of production, cleaning, you know, actually drying down cars and doing vacuuming, doing details, um, greeting customers, advising on services, um, guiding customers. Um, onto the conveyor from the job that you did tell that mm -hmm. on. Um, then we have supervisory roles and quality control roles and manager, manager roles. So you take people that uh, would otherwise be looked over in other jobs um, because they're on the autistic spectrum and uh, need a certain type of environment and you put them in a situation where they're working with cars, working with detail. Um, I've, I remember you, you speaking at one point at TED Talk uh, about one of the um, the benefits of hiring people on the autism spectrum. Uh, can you speak more to that? Yeah, yeah. So we find that there's a, a bunch of um, really important advantages to employing people with autism. First, um, individuals with autism tend to be higher quality employees in following um, processes and detail oriented. Um, roles. So, meaning that um, a typical person, when they're put into a, a, a role that has like a structured process and system to it, um, they tend to not do as well over a long period of time. They tend to become less accurate as, as they go on with the role. Um, mm -hmm. Individuals with autism tend to have the, have the inverse effect. They tend to um, actually become more consistent with the processes that they're following over time and they're able to hold and hold that consistency over a long period of time. So that's the number one um, advantage. Number two is that because, you know, an, an indication based on based on that um, statistic is that, you know, because individuals who often genuinely like following processes and working in structured environments. Um, so, so not only are they doing better at the functional work they're also more engaged in it more enthusiastic about it um, and that tends to you know not only create a great quality of work but also a great atmosphere to, to work in and for customers to um, experience so um, there's the enthusiasm there's the quality of work there's the detail orientation um, there tends to be a very high safety you know very very impeccable safety record among individuals with autism, we've never had a, an individual with autism have any 
type of um, injury or um, work stop issue here, um, which is very rare in the car wash industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's the the marketing and communication, external communication advantages to employees with autism because it is an, um, you know, it's something that impacts many people. Most people know uh, and, and many love individuals with autism and to see that a business is really focusing on trying to use their skills and their, their abilities to create a better quality service is something that resonates with a lot of people and, and that allows us not only to um, not only to get a, customers to talk about us but also to try us and and spread the word in the community and, and we've also been able to get a lot of great media attention due to it due to our social mission as well so um, those are you know at a high level though the, the main advantages there's a variety of other ones too but I had to, you know, say one of the most important advantages in hiring people with autism. That would be it. Mm. So it's it's one of the, the main advantages. Just to summarize, um, if I hear right, it's that people with autism are very detail oriented and great at processes. Um, and safety wise, it's uh, there there have been known accidents at your car wash, which is almost unheard of. And you found that people with autism are very good at following safety rules. Yeah, exactly. That's another process, right? So. Stop being, you know, a safe in a, in a work environment if you're following the rules. And, mm-hmm. you know, individuals with autism are, are much more reliable in following those rules than a typical person. Also, one, one other thing I didn't mention there was, and again, going along the line with the engagement in the work, mm-hmm. um, the, the turnover rate tends to be far lower among individuals with autism. Specifically in our business, but I know that there are other businesses that employ people with autism that do the same thing. Um, that our, our turnover is about three to five times lower than the industry average. Mm, wow. Yeah, people stay here a lot longer. Um, and, and that allows us to really invest in them, really um, have high quality staff, but also you know, turnover tends to be a really high cost. For, for businesses um, in general, and you know, you're talking about having to spend time training new staff, having to spend time recruiting and, and hiring, and, and, and all those things. You know, we have a less of a burden there because our employees stay here and, and you know actively want to grow with us instead of move on. I remember we went on a snorkeling trip once to with a, a shark photography people. That was super cool. Um, so I'm also curious since Project Unchained is about uh, personal success, personal um, uh, habits, personal um, journeys, I like to ask all my interviewees, I like to ask them uh, what was a moment that they failed and um, what was a moment where they, they questioned their path and for you to make it um, more specific since we know each other more than most of my interviewees um, what when you first started on the path of creating a business with your family, with your dad, um, to hire people with autism, what were other people saying? And if it was uh, negative, how did you push forward despite that? Yeah, so I think, and, and as most entrepreneurs will, will say, um, there, there's always people that don't agree with what you're doing, don't think it's going to work, uh, especially early on when you have no traction. Mm-hmm. Um so, so yeah, I mean, we had plenty of people saying that you know, one, it wasn't going to work. Two, it wasn't, um, 
you know, as impactful as we wanted it to be, that there should be, we should be focusing on trying to get people hired in um, different, um, you know, in, in existing businesses instead of trying to create our own business. All, you know, kind of the whole gamut of criticisms, which, um, again, every entrepreneur faces. Um, and I, I guess the way that we handled that was we really focused on a couple things. One, trying to validate um, for ourselves, you know, was this, a, did this functionally work? Did it have the impact that we were trying to have in, in, real, in the real world with real tests? And not necessarily listening to just what people have to say about it. Mm. Um, so we ran a proof of concept in Florida City um, before we opened our first location, um, where we just kind of tested for the summer. To, you know, we trained individuals about it and to to do um, the, the functional work in, in aftercare, the production work, um, and you know how many individuals loving were able to do it, and what was the impact on them both from a you know, functional skill level, but also from a um, communication level, self-esteem level, social confidence level. Um, and, and we found that we were having a huge impact and that it worked for a lot of people with autism. So, you know, we used, you know, actual data to, um, to, to, to we, we listened to the data instead of the, the, you know, the variety of opinions that you get, that everybody gets as an entrepreneur. So. Um, and it's also um, really important, I think, as a, especially as, as a young entrepreneur, to to be able to recognize that you know not everybody is going to agree with this, and that's completely okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I just need to find people that do agree with it, and they'll help me. Um, and I need to make sure I run my tests to know that I am you know going down the right path, and I you know I don't need to necessarily rely on the opinions of anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, that's that's kind of far for the course for 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 any anybody who's trying to start something. Um, mm-hmm. that, that testing things in the real world tends to be a, a much more effective strategy than um, just you know having lots of conversations about it. Yeah. So you so in your experience, the data has been um, extremely valuable to you, so that the opinions, you know, opinion, even your own opinion. Uh, pale the comparison to real world data, and so you, you re- learn to rely yeah. on the, on that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has their own opinions of things, right? So, and and as entrepreneurs, I think it's important to not get super wed to your ideas, especially early on. But they are just ideas; they're your own opinions, and they could be right, they could mm-hmm. be wrong. Um, and the only way for us to really know is to go out and try it. Interesting. One of the things I've I've heard of from. Um, uh, I had an internship in a startup over the summer is um, one thing you can do is you talk to people about your idea and a lot of people say yeah that's so cool because people like to please others like to make you know it, it's inspiring to people to see others um, make an idea but sometimes when you say hey okay so I have it now um, I'd like to take your money and give it to you when it's developed right and they'll say oops nope <laughs> so um, yeah that's that's when uh, you have to actually look for an investment in somebody. You know, hey, I have it now. Uh, you know, let me take credit card information. I'll charge it when I, when we ship it to you um, for some kind of physical product. Um, and it seems like you 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 created a physical store to give yourself the um, the the legitimacy instead of asking a bunch of autism experts, which would be the equivalent of just talking to people about your idea. 
Yeah, exactly. So I mean, what you're talking about there is, is a great, you know, um, minimum viable product for a for a product offering, right? Where you can mm-hmm. sell it and to see if people actually want it. Awesome. Um, and, and for a service, it's a little bit different because it's hard to. Um, it's a little bit hard, harder, I think, for people to visualize or, or to, to do to, to do it without actually having a live test. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was instead of going out and spending millions of dollars on a car wash start, we you know we spent some money, but there's much less money to actually set up a little mock environment at an existing car wash mm-hmm. um, to see you know again to validate okay do people really want this? Do people are people really happy with the service? And, and I think you're right that charging money tends to be one of the best ways to get true feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right now Project Unchained is growing, and uh, I'm getting uh, some more acceptance, more people reading, um, and I know that I'm going to have a knock in readership once I start monetizing it, um, which will likely grow afterwards. But you know, it's going to be a lot of testing, a lot of social media testing, and etc. Uh, and it's going to be a long road. But that's the part of entrepreneurship that people don't usually see. It's like social network, the 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 the, the movie where you know there's some of the grind, um, but a lot of it is like, oh wow, you know, publicity, bunch of money, 24 hour codathon. They got like a first a first uh, first page and a ton of people viewed it, which is you know somewhat true. But what they didn't see is Mark Zuckerberg. You know, okay, what decisions do I make? Where who do I look for investors? How do I make the pitch? Um, you know, practice, 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 and it's all like in a 30 second montage. It looks super easy, but that's not how it is in the real world. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're starting a lemonade stand or you're starting, you know, Facebook. It's a lot of work, and starting anything from scratch is an incredible amount of work. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready for that. Yeah. So before you looked into creating uh, this business for yourself, for your your family, and for your brother, um, what what were you like? What was your life like before that? So I had just graduated. Um, college, I just finished my undergraduate degree, mm-hmm. um, was kind of looking for a, a career that, that had both impact but also had the ability to, to make good living. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really drawn to um, the idea of um, sustainability consulting, um, which so um, like helping companies be more environmentally responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I did there before I, you know, before I committed to to going down that route is that I just talked to a lot of people that were currently doing that work. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what I found is that they they weren't really that happy with it. They, they weren't having the impact that they had hoped uh-huh. they would have. Um, they, you know, they felt that you know, at the end of the day, the client is the one who, who gets to make the decisions. So mm-hmm. the CEO, the COO, whoever the chief, the, the, the executives that they're working with are the, mm-hmm. the decision makers. They can only kind of persuade people to do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I, you know, kind of got, you know, out there and networked and met a lot of people, I saw, you know, I got to meet some social entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. now, now those folks were, were grinding a lot harder than the consultants I was speaking with, um, mm-hmm. but they were were genuinely fulfilled with what they were doing. They were happy. They felt that they were really having the impact that they were trying to have. They okay. were really going down, you know, a path that they felt was important. Um, that really hard path, but nevertheless something that they they, they believed in still. 
Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, to me that that really resonated. So you know, I, kind of concurrently with me looking at those the ideas of you know going into like the corporate world, um, my dad had wanted to try to start something for Andrew, um, oh. my brother. Um, so you know, we had talked about it. We had talked about it for you know at least two years before we actually started that. This would be something that would be cool to do one day. Um, and then, you know, at some point while I was doing that job search and I started to get some, like, season offers, um, he kind of just, you know, we, we talked and he was like, you know, we should just do this now and, like, I'm going to do it at some point either way. Now, now seems like it's a good, good time. Um, you know, what's, what's your downside? And to, to, to trying this now, like my, my worst case scenario would have been um, like if it failed miserably, I had like a cool story to tell my grad school application. Um, mm-hmm. And if it works really well, you know, I'm off to the races and I have a, a career that I'm really passionate about and, um, you know, being able to pursue for a long period of time, which is, you know, where it luckily ended up. Um, you know, so essentially I had... I had one. I had always wanted to be a social entrepreneur, but it kind of crystallized there in like a couple months, where it was like, these are the folks that I resonate most with, and, and here's my opportunity to do it. Um, so let's let's go ahead and try. Um, I, I guess what was my my life like before? Probably similar to yours right now, Joe. You're in school. There's all these amazing ideas around. <laughs> you everything seems so promising. And then you try, and then you try to figure out what's real and like how you can actually go about doing those things that you hear hear all these cool, you know, all these cool stories about. Mm-hmm. And, and it's you know, uh, as I think from, from what I've heard from you so far, you're you're seeing that it's not all roses. It's not easy by any no. means. No, but, definitely not. Um, but it is something that's you know worth doing if you really care about it. A lot of it is taking a leap and making sacrifices. Uh, yeah. I almost, uh, yeah, I was planning a trip to Columbia for uh, Project Unchained, which at the time was a travel blog with some interviews. And um, um, I, I received a couple calls from my father, who's very afraid. Uh, and he said, uh, if you run out of money in Columbia, I'm not helping you. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really conflicted about this, but you're going to be stuck there. Um, and I'm, I'm like, okay, let me make sure I have enough money. Um, I looked at my bank account and, um, I didn't, uh, I didn't nearly, I was actually, uh, taking out credit card debt for food each day and couch surfing because I didn't have any money to get a place. And, um, I was couch surfing to New York, which was amazing. And I wrote several articles about it, which were great, but unfortunately, uh, it, uh, it was a, a bit, a bit difficult to, um, to get, uh, to get the money going. And I realized in retrospect that I could have. Um, I started Postmates, which was something like Uber Eats in New York City. Yeah. Um, and I made uh, about 50 bucks a day. And I could have easily worked for 10 days and gone to Columbia when, uh, when, when I had bought the flight and uh, survived there and came back and worked more and just did the grind. Uh, but I decided to go to school. And um, right here, I've been having a lot of great experiences with the uh, Rutgers Entrepreneurial Society. Um, and had a lot of people to interview and a lot of uh, social social groups and um, that is very fulfilling for me and I've turned President Chain into something more more um, 
more integrated, uh, more so, more of a lifestyle building course, uh, lifestyle building site to offer the resources to that. Um, which is why I'd like to ask you, how much is integration um, important to you? How much is it important that you uh, don't really draw boundaries between certain things in your life, like your your family, your fulfillment, and your business, and your income are all in rising tides. There aren't really boundaries between them. Um, how have you found that versus times when your life is more compartmentalized? Um, so I think in an ideal world, it'd be great to be able to have, like, separate, you know, space for you know, my family, for my work, for my, you know, hobbies and stuff. And I just don't, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's nothing, it, 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 it's realistic. I've, I haven't met so many entrepreneurs that have been really successful and actually gotten to where they want to go that, that have had that type of separation. Some have. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for me, I'm. It, it's more... Trying to, um, trying to, uh, I guess, cope and um, be intentional about, or at least be aware about the fact that everything is so intertwined for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, things like meditation, things like carving out just a few minutes a day to have to myself. Um, those things help kind of the daily oasis mm-hmm. um, be- because it is all consuming and it, it can be all consuming if you let it um, mm. you know I want to have a personal relationship with my family but when I'm at work where it's a business relationship mm-hmm. um, and then okay well if I'm going to then spend my limited free time with my family too well hey like now I'm like I don't have any time for me and mm-hmm. add that to having a relationship and, um, you know, trying to, um, meet the needs of, of, uh, of a girlfriend, you know, it's, it's a lot, right? So, mm-hmm. um, it's, I guess intentionality for me is, is the, the way that I, 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 I deal with that integration, the way that you put it. Um, mm-hmm. It, it is an inevitable fact of the way that we've built this. Um, and there's really wonderful things about it because, you know, I do get to spend so much time with my family. We really are all aligned on a vision to, to do something that we all really believe in. Um, and I, I genuinely love the work that I do. I, I don't dread going to work. I don't, um, I'm not like frustrated with it I, I genuinely enjoy it and really get a lot of value from it mm-hmm. um, the downsides is that you're saying it's all, it can be all consuming um, so so the best way to for me to deal with that is to you know just kind of try to be aware of it at all times and, and try to do little things like having a daily oasis speaking to a coach mm-hmm. um, those, those things are, are really helpful for me Interesting. Interesting. Um, so you say you speak to a coach, and I've I've heard a lot about um, understanding your strengths. In fact, uh, you know you know Gary V. Mm-hmm. He bases much of his personal brand off of his personal experience, and that 
uh, capitalizing on his on all in on his strengths has been what has uh, propelled him to his current successes um, and you know letting go of his weaknesses and I'm interested how important and also Ty Lopez says the same thing he says that in schools we should teach um, people more about like there should be at least a year or semester where people learn everything about their own personality and how to how to capitalize on their strengths and uh, let go of their weaknesses and you know and also fill in the holes where they need to um, how important has it been for you to understand yourself and to know your your strengths and to be self-aware oh very very important um, it's you know Gary V is really great at great at talking about that and and I think that most successful people in general are, are willing to be self or try to be self-aware enough to understand the things that they're good at and things they're not good at and, and mm-hmm. the things that they're not good at they bring in help yeah right um, so so absolutely for me I'm the type of person who I'm very good at. At, at building systems and keeping relationships mm-hmm. going and um, teaching, um, those are things that you know I excel at. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a great salesperson. I'm not really a, a, a very. I'm not a great you know financial person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, we brought in a, a CFO, someone who who's a CPA by trade and can um, you know really that financial strength that I don't necessarily have and at some point when we need to I might bring in someone who has a real strength in sales and I think yeah. that that's really important um, I think it's really important to say okay well these are things that like I, I could probably do but mm-hmm. is it really is it really great for me to spend my time on doing that when I know it's not something I'm going to probably ever excel at mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that that's really important and it's also as an entrepreneur a luxury as you as you become more successful, when you when you're just starting and it's just you or it's just a tiny team, you have to do everything. Hey, you yeah. don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, um, like Project Unchained, I've been the only one. Sorry, I just want to interject here for a sec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been the only one working on it. Um, I set up the WordPress.org site. I um I bought the domain. I I do every single article except for some like five or so guest articles that I wrote. I take all the pictures or search for them. I do all the SEO, all the social media um uh, i reach out to people to get their opinions uh every single thing i've done and i I, uh, i put in like at least 10 hours a week into it but even that like i get a ton of work done i think people don't understand sometimes that you can be very efficient with your with your work um and this you know it doesn't even take necessarily 10 hours per week it's always on my mind i'm always like talking about it because I'm, i'm passionate about it um and it's only taken up like over the you know over the year, it's it's only been like max two hundred dollars of my of my my own money for like the business cards was forty bucks in itself. The hosting was like the rest of that, like one hundred sixty bucks, like twelve bucks a month. So it's it's um it's it's very cheap and easy to start something as long as you're 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 following something you're very passionate about and you have people that you know that you can support you. Because some people, you know, family, I've found. Uh, will often, um, and it's very fortunate that you have your family with you in this. Family will often try to try to stop you because either you know it's unsure they might they might have to finance you in the future um, and they might not be willing to do that, or you know, a lot of families is, is scared of success because it changes the dynamic of the family. Um, 
And, uh, you know, a lot of it's out of love. They want to keep you safe. They want to make sure that you're on a, a path which will offer 100% guarantee um, of, hey, you know, you're going to have a paycheck. You don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about you. You're safe. Um, but when, when you're doing something that's unsure, it, it causes a little bit of a, of unrest in the family. And I've found that, at least in my case, to be very true, um, I often get discouraged by my father to do what I'm doing. And right now, I've, if he reads this, he reads this. That's fine. Right now, he's under the impression that my utmost uh, focus is school. And it is a focus of mine. But it's not my utmost focus because in the future, I don't see myself being a computer programmer. I see myself doing that as a hobby or as a side thing, but um, or whenever I need money um, and something else isn't going right. But I see my focus as doing this, as inspiring people and helping people become the best they can be. Um, and uh, I'm, I, you know, it's it's chugging forward pretty well. Soon I'll be having the users needed to test some monetization stuff and make it more sustainable. And um, you say that for yourself. Uh, you don't get much discouragement from your family, um, but I'm also curious: has there ever been a moment where you you did you were seeking to change your uh, your path out of, um, un, out of because it was unsure, or you were scared and you weren't sure what to do? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's another thing that you know one of the as an entrepreneur, it can be very scary. It can be very lonely at times. Um, it can feel like what you're building, you're not, you know, you don't own it. It, it owns it, it owns you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think inherently with with that process, um, you you are you act out of fear sometimes, um, and mm-hmm. you want to quit or you want to redirect and or you. You know, whatever. Um, yeah. And you know, so so yeah. I, I mean, there's been times where I wanted to say like, "Hey, this isn't something I want to do." Mm-hmm. Um, and and when I do express that, like especially so my family dynamics dynamics is a bit different than yours, but mm-hmm. um, you know, when I express I want to go do something else, um, that's you know really scary for my family because they depend on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to date, that has only I've only felt that way out of fear, or frustration. It's never been like a legitimate like I I, I totally want to go do something else. Uh huh. Um. But yeah, and in those moments, it's tough for everybody. It's tough for my family. They oh shit, like is he like not gonna be there? We kind of need him. It's like all built around him at this point. Yeah. Um. And. You know, so, so for me, it really, the, the exercise that I always go through mentally when I'm feeling that way is like, okay, um, if, if this is something that you don't want to do, right? We're, we're, what are you going to do? And let's extrapolate from there. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's say, okay, well, this is, you know, the, the first step in doing something else might be, okay, I'm going to get a graduate degree or I'm going to go interview for jobs at these places and, you know, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And you kind of, you know, for me, I go down that line of logic. And I, I see fairly quickly that it's totally not worth it. Um, uh-huh. What I have here has got so so many tremendous benefits um, that it's not worth giving up for um, you know some theoretical easier or safer thing. 
and you know that's something that I always you know whenever people in my life are struggling with okay well should I do this is you know regardless of what other people think around me it's just something that I I, I, I think is right mm-hmm. um, I always recommend to kind of take a you know try to do that thought exercise and say okay well if this isn't what I should be doing, what I want to do, where would I go? And what would mm-hmm. that look like? And how would that make me feel? Um, Just simulate it. Right, exactly. And, and, you know, if you come out of the end of that thought exercise and say, yeah, I'm, I'd be better off there, then, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't, and you say, no, I'm, I'm much happier doing this than I would be doing that, then that's good. That's validating that you're in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Either way, you're validating something. It's it's that's one thing I'm I'm learning. Um, listening to Power of Now. Have you heard that book? The Power of Now. You said? Yeah. No, I haven't read. It. Okay. Um, it's by a guy named Eckhart Tolle. Uh, he's a spiritual leader. He holds seminars. Uh, they sell it pretty quickly, and he's very well respected in a lot of groups. Uh, my friend actually hosts a book club every week. Um, Eckhart Tolle book club. Uh, actually, this. <laughs> Thanks. There's uh, some videos I actually want to send you. Uh, Jim Carrey, um, he's he's become very spiritual recently, and um, he actually uh, introduced Eckhart Tolle to one of his conventions, um, and it's it's beautiful to see uh, Jim Carrey be so wise. Because um, I mean, it's, it's I can kind of see the wiseness behind his funny faces, but now it's like he's just become this wise guy mostly, and in the background he's just he's got this hilariousness. Um, and the power of now talks about, uh, you know, and it's true. It's not just that it talks about it. It's, you know, it reflects the reality. That the only thing there is is now, and your brain is a great tool. Um, but if if we take the tool too seriously and we become our mind, um, rather than use our mind and let our mind use us, then we can do some terrible things. Uh, and I've seen this in my life and in other lives. And I've seen that when I just realize that my mind is only a simulation of the environment, even though sometimes it might be a very accurate simulation of the environment. Sometimes when I'm tugged one way or the other, it's not, um, it's, it's not as, as important as my brain might say it is, unless like there's literally a car coming at me. Um, there's not too many reasons for me to jerk one way or the other. Um, and uh, the way you talked about fear made me think about that. Uh, and I'm curious what you've done with your own fear and your own hesitation. Yeah. Um, so, what have I done with? I think it's really important, like you, like you just said, to to recognize that typically fear um, or hesitation is a momentary. Um, reaction to some sort of stimulus around you. Uh-huh. Um, and you can generally look at this, look at that fear as two different types of fears. One is a real fear, like a car that's about to hit you, mm-hmm. or a, you know, a, a cheetah that's about to attack you. Mm-hmm. Um, those are real fears, things that you really need to react to. Yeah. Um, and then there's barrier fears, um, and those are things that your mind is is um, 
recording the same way as the real fear, right? Like, let's say the fear mm-hmm. of speaking in front of people, the, the fear of saying something that you want to say, the fear of, you know, people judging you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, those are not real fears, but they're interpreted by your brain the same way as a real fear. Mm-hmm. So recognizing, okay, is this legitimate? Like, do I, this is something I actually need to act on? Mm-hmm. Um, it can feel like you really do in that moment. Um, but if you take a step back and you realize, well, this is not, this is just in my own mind. And if it's something like you correcting, you going in a different direction or making a decision that's going to impact what you're doing, um, I think it's important to really step back and let that set in before you make a rash decision because most of the time those things pass. It's momentary. And, um, you know, it's really, for me, most of the times when I experience fear, when I experience frustration or hesitation, um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're fleeting. They may last for a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there are like legitimate actions I need to take to alleviate that, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's just I need to um, calm down, take a take a deep breath, and step back for a minute um, and realize that hey, this is just going to pass. Like you'll be all right. Um, don't do anything stupid. Gotcha. Um, and and sometimes you know there are things you need to do, but generally they're not as drastic as. You initially would think. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, and I'd like to get, uh, have a little comment about that, and then I'll ask you for um, you know just whatever you want to talk about on this. I'm going to be posting it on Facebook and on the blog, uh, the audio, of the transcript, and a couple editorial posts. Um, cool. And I actually have a question to ask you after we stop recording. Um, so first of all, it's interesting that you talk about the fear and the barrier fears and the regular fears. Um, I've heard a lot about evolutionary psychology recently. Um, first of all, from a book called Mates by Tucker Max and Dr. Jeffrey Miller. Um, both evolutionary, well, Tucker Max is, uh, he had a, a pretty hard past, um, and did, made a ton of mistakes, um, then wisened up and turned around and became a dating coach. Um, and Jeffrey Miller, Dr. Jeffrey Miller is, a um, PhD evolutionary psychologist who studies specifically um, uh, human mating habits uh, and wrote a book with Tucker Max based on, okay, well, here's actually science-wise how um, mating between the man and the woman works. Um, it doesn't include LGBT uh, relationships, but it's, you know, here's how mating works and here's how you practically improve yourself to enhance your dating life and your relationship life. And um, I also listened to Ty Lopez recently. There's a, a program he has called 67 Steps. Each day he gives an hour. Um, it's kind of like a lecture, but it feels more like a conversation with him. Um, and one of the days was talking about evolutionary mismatch. And putting those together, I've noticed that, uh, you know, in the, in the past, what we were built, depending on where we came from, um, we were built over 10,000 generations to expect to be born into a small tribe. Um, and in that situation, um, social ostracization was death. 
you don't have the society to protect you from the cheetahs. If you're not accepted by the people around you, you're wandering the jungle and you're dead. Um, but nowadays it's very different. And so the, as Ty Lopez would say, the voices of a 10,000 generations are telling you, don't say that, don't say that you're going to be a cast out and you're going to die in the jungle. But, or on the prairie or we you know wherever your ancestors were for me it would be in a cold cold russia uh die you know, die i would be frozen <laughs> and uh, wouldn't be able to um to uh be in that uh, in that situation alone and um and but like we we have to learn to to teach ourselves yes you know that might have been true at one point but the world is different now and i can say what i mean because it's more important to be genuine now in this world and to be have good communication skills so we can build relationships and if the relationship doesn't work out for us it's not that big of a deal because there's a huge society and we can move and we're safe from that cold right. yeah um and so now i'd like to ask if you have any shout outs you want to do any promotions i'm cool with that uh, anything you want to say for the last bits of our interview um no i'm good i'm good with the promotion so i appreciate that no um problem. yeah and this is great. Um, I appreciate you wanting to interview me. I hope this is helpful. Thank you. I'm sure it will be. Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. In the earlier episodes, I put all of these sponsored ads at the end and the newer episodes that are in the middle. So if you're listening to one where it's split, some of the content before and some of the content after, uh, stay tuned and your content will come right after these messages. Otherwise, thanks for listening and please listen further to help figure out how you can help the podcast grow. Number one way, subscribe. Wherever you are listening to this, hit the subscribe button either with your finger or the mouse, or if it's the future and everything is mind controlled, do so with your mind. That way I can attract better uh, sponsors and earn more money from the sponsors that I have so I can get better content and go to better conferences. I am right now about to go to CES. For each two hour conference or so, I tend to get about four interviews that means people that I contact that I actually record and that we continue to uh, publish an episode. I contact more, but in the end, I get about four. Now, this is going to be four days, and this four-day experience is going to probably net me at least 20 interviews. Now, when it comes to other ways to support the podcast, email list is one way to support. Go to the Renman Network. What you will get is exclusive content right to your inbox. You also get to stay on top of the developments of the Renaissance Man Network. And you get to stay accountable in your journey of becoming a Renaissance Man by being reminded of Renaissance Man values and challenges that I will put out to the email list. Another way you can help yourself, oh, let me just circle back. The way you sign up to the email list is therenmannet.work slash uh, nothing, actually. Therenmannet.work is T-H-E-R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T dot W-O-R-K. And either click on join the newsletter or a pop-up will come up and you can just put your information in there. Now, another way is to get a journal. That is a hand-bound journal. I bind the cover 
of the journal with leather or another cloth, you get to choose if I have other cloths available. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but either way, I have full leather, real leather covers available. Leonardo da Vinci had one of my hand-bound journals, one of the best Renaissance men out there. And the best way to cultivate self-awareness is to have a journaling habit. I did that for three years straight, missed only one day during those thousand-plus days. I will share exercises where you read one. Sorry. I will share exercises where you need one. I wrote a script for myself and I can't really tell my own writing. I share exercises where you will need one. Need a journal and a journal also doubles as a sketchbook if you're looking to use it for art work. You can get that at the store at the renmannet.org slash store. That's T-H-E-R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T dot W-O-R-K slash S-T-O-R-E. And as of now, they are $50. There are some... Uh, if you become a patron, you get a free coupon for that. So... Um, to, to segue right into that, if you want to support the podcast on a financial basis, what you can do is become a patron. It's at patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M slash the Renman Network, T-H-E-R-E-M, sorry, R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. And any, anywhere from 5 to 100 or more dollars a month, what that will do is that will allow me to do this for more of my time, I'll pay for my time. I will be able to buy better recording equipment, and I will be able to go to better conferences like the one I'm going to next week. Now, I thank you for listening to these uh, these sponsored messages by my uh, for my my projects, and I encourage you to support this podcast in any way you can. Subscribe, uh, sign up to the newsletter, buy yourself a journal, do yourself a favor for your own development, and support the podcast. Allow me to create better content for you by going to our Patreon. Uh, Without further ado, here is our sponsor for this episode. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Just to remind you of some ways you can support the podcast. First of all, subscribe. Second of all, you can... um, you can join the email list. That's at therenmanetnet.org, T-H-E-R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T dot W-O-R-K. Click on join the newsletter. You can also buy a journal that's on the shop at the Renman Network. So therenmanetnet.org slash shop, or sorry, slash store, S-T-O-R-E slash store. And also you can support the podcast on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Renman Network. T-H-E-R-E-N-M-A-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Hope that you enjoy yourself and stay tuned for the next episode.